Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran, and I'm the host of this podcast. Guys, I am super pumped that you are here hanging out with us today in Insurance Town because I got an electric episode. We have a great conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. Before I get into it, let's talk about my good friends over at Smart Choice, the fastest growing agency network for a reason. And we just re-upped their sponsorship recently. And I'm super proud that we did. I'm excited about it. Another year with another great sponsor and another uh, great set of guests coming on because of Smart Choice. And I've got, uh, finally have someone from Smart Choice coming on uh, from their commercial team and from their express division. Cannot wait for you to meet uh, Oliver and David and what they've got going on. Uh, I'll have that recording put out uh, before you know it. Can't wait. Be on the lookout for that one. Um, but they are the fastest growing agency because they don't have any contracts. They don't have any uh, upfront fees and they share with you in their bonus and contingency. So be on the lookout for that episode and uh, continue to support uh, Smart Choices in the way you can. Smart Choice Agency or our smartchoiceagents.com at smartchoiceagents.com and check it out. Also, my good friends over at Agency Performance Partners. Uh, they are your BFF uh, to insurance agency owners. Uh, they come in and help solve the industry's biggest challenges. And some of those challenges are people. Uh, some of those are processes. Some of those are uh, procedures. Some of those are simple things. You know, uh, Some of those are more complicated things. Uh, imagine if you had someone running alongside you, a coach, so to speak, a best friend, a... Um, a mentor, someone running alongside you that's been there before, that's been in over 1,500 agencies. That's what Agency Performance Partners is for you. Uh, go to agencyperformancepartners.com and check it out. They've got three consultants uh, on standby at any time that would love to visit with you. They have a staff that's continuing to grow um, in the double digits now uh, that want to help you, that want to be a part of your agency success. So agencyperformancepartners.com. Now, today's electric fun and exciting episodes with my homegirl, Danny Kimball. Guys, she is electric. She's fun. We have a great conversation. We laugh a lot. Uh, I poke fun of her a little bit. She pokes fun at me a little bit. Um, we talk about her career in the insurance world, but more importantly, we talk about marketing uh, and what that looks like. And uh, not just from like 30,000 foot level oh, marketing and, and social media. No, we get into the weeds and we talk about how to uh, have some marketing tactics based on your sales goals meshed with a budget for marketing and what those strategies look like together and putting all, uh, I, I just have to sit back and get out of the way. So without further ado, let me just sit back um, and I want you to sit back with me, relax and enjoy my conversation with my good friend, Danny Kimball. Danny Kimball, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Dude, I am so glad that you're here. Um, is it Kimball? Yes, it's Kimball. Okay. Wanted to make sure. <laughs> and is Danny short for Danielle? Yes, it is. Uh, I think Danny's. <laughs> I think Danny's cool. Uh, I like it a lot. Is that something you started like in high school, or is that something like when you went to college? Oh, it'd be cool. I don't need Danny. <laughs> no, so that's funny. I've never been asked this, especially on a podcast. But um, I was supposed to be uh, that all the ultrasounds and when my mom was pregnant with me were they were thinking that I was going to be this a boy. Oh, so wow. My name was going to be Daniel. And I, I was born, I was 10 pounds, 13 ounces when I was born. That would have <laughs> been a big boy. That's especially a big girl. A big girl. So uh, <laughs> they had to quickly come up with a new name. My dad has always called me Danny. So I've always been a Danny. 
Ah, I gotcha. You know, some girls that go up to college and they change it up or they switch up the spelling. I just didn't know. I was going to call you out, but no. 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 All right, cool. So um, talk to me a little bit. Let's go. Let's take a walk down memory lane uh, through insurance town. Let's go and see, you know, tell me a little about you. If you want to go back to, you already went back to birth, but if you want to skip a little (laughs) bit ahead and walk me to where you are now. And I know you had a pit stop in insurance. So talk to me about that a little bit too. Yeah, sure. So I actually, my background before I got into insurance was all dance and the performing arts. So um, I have a master's degree in dance. I went on and performed and taught and you know i had a my first 10 years of my career professional career was in dance and the performing arts i loved it (laughs) what kind of dance like i'm interested in this now what kind of dance mostly contemporary dance was the angle that i went um but i was trained in ballet also (laughs) hip-hop so i it all through college i was was part of a hip-hop crew we performed (laughs) all over new york city like it was amazing experience yes okay so before i gotta interrupt i never interrupt my guests on this part but i got to today because i got a tattle on myself my audience knows i'm a i'm a big reality tv guy but i got into a couple years ago my wife and i did anyway the world of dance with jennifer Uh lopez and her whole crew i don't know if you ever watched that or not but uh, we were big fans and i always gravitated towards the contemporary dancing and all the craziness they would do and like uh, some of the winners were contemporary dancers especially the young people and the way they contort their bodies and they do all this stuff and the storytelling. Literally, I would cry watching people dance. I, I didn't that. know that a dance could bring that kind of emotion out of me. Yes. And here I am, a big dude, and I'm over here crying. And my wife's making fun of me and laughing at my kids, especially. Dad, why are you crying? It's just dancing. <laughs> but the, some of the storytelling was gorgeous. I know. I mean, that's where the magic is. Like, even when you dance, like when you actually dance the contemporary style, you feel it in your body. Like, you feel the story. It's, I love dance. I still do to this day. Like it's just such a, it was such a magical experience for me, but yeah, that's where I'd say I learned a lot of like the storytelling behind the marketing, which we'll get into, but. Okay. So, okay. You went from dance and then what got you out of dance and into (laughs) the next phase of your life, Danny? Sure. So I, uh, I blew my knee out actually my final oh. semester of grad school. Um, and, but I was able to finish and heal. And the doctor had said, you know, there's a 40% chance if you don't go with the surgery, there's a 40% chance. This is all going to happen again. Five years later, I blow my knee out again. And, you know, at that point I, I tried to teach and tried to continue on, but it, it reached a point where it's like, I couldn't perform at my highest level even though I, I didn't necessarily need to be performing at my highest level, it was bothering me more than it was bothering right, like students or choreography or anything. So I, I decided, I was also, I had two kids at the time. I was commuting an hour and 10 minutes to work. I was a little like to drive up to Cleveland to teach in a performing arts school. And um, it, it was starting to just like wear on me in all different angles, including the actual physical injury. So I decided to um, uh, transition out, but I'm like, you know, all I know is dance. That's my whole background. Um, But I love, like, I I knew I needed to be in something creative. And so I I was looking into, like, marketing coordinator type positions, and I applied for marketing coordinator position up the street, which was O'Neill Insurance, and quickly found, like, this is what I love to do. Like, I, I, I just soaked it all up. I always say, like, I treated the agency almost as the studio for me to choreograph like the brand and the story 
And uh, I just grew very quickly in my love and my interest and my passion for marketing. And so started there and I, I was there for about six years. Great experience, great team, great culture. I learned so much. I loved it. Um, and then I recently, about a year and a half ago, then I was pregnant with my fourth child and decided, uh, you know, I think I needed to kind of step down, slow down a little bit. So I, I did launch my own marketing consulting firm, but also just created a lot more balance and flexibility with my family life and things like that. So that's where I'm at now. Wow. Okay. So a couple of questions real quick. Um, sure. Cause where you're at now is, okay. I don't even know how to pronounce this, but Azeel, what is that? Azeli. Oh, wow. Say that again? I totally butchered that. Yeah, so the company name is Azeli Marketing. And this is your company? Yes. And what does that name mean? So it's actually uh, a saint's name from the 1800s, but okay. she was a lace maker, and she had, I don't want nine kids, but she had nine kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And she owned this lace making business from her home. Now this is in the 1800s and we had, you know, through the pandemic, all this trouble figuring out how to work from our homes. 1800s, she built this incredible lace making business out of her home and also raised nine kids, um, which a lot of them then pursued like the Christian life and sainthood and things. So it's just a fascinating, amazing story. Actually, my daughter's name is Zelly. And um, wow. I just like, feel really connected. Uh, so her name starts with a Z. So her name's Zelly, but the business name is Azelly. It's like the French version of the name. Ah, <laughs> French it up a little bit. I got gotcha. you. That's yeah. cool. And yeah. so um, another thing I was going to ask you about. Okay, so going back to your time early on in the marketing thing um, with O'Neill, mm -hmm. did they? I mean, was that something you needed to learn insurance to do effective marketing in that realm, or was it just more about understanding your audience, understanding marketing strategies, and understanding algorithms of social media and all of those things? Because back then, what was that? Fifteen, sixteen. Yep. So that was yeah. right when people were starting to notice and do things, algorithms and SEOs and well, SEO had been around a while, but you know, some of those things yeah. were just really getting ramped up, especially that was pre TikTok and pre, you know, reels <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff. Don't laugh. Right. We're going to get in TikTok here a little bit. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. You're spot on. And this was the time. So in 2016, I was one of the only marketers at that time in the insurance industry. Uh, mm -hmm. outside of like carriers in the independent insurance agencies space. Yeah, yeah. There was no one. I shouldn't say no one. There were a couple of people, but like I couldn't turn to people to like look for a blueprint on how to market an independent sure. insurance agency today. It's everywhere, which is so amazing. I love it. Today you find a lot of that. You see a lot of more independent agencies hiring marketers because marketing has just evolved and grown just through the maturity and scale of the internet. There's just, Marketing has become way more prominent today because of the maturity and the scale of the internet. And so I think agencies are really starting to understand and feel that. Do you do you give credit on some of that to O'Neill for being, you know, forward thinking of we need a marketing, not a new agent, not another CSR, not another whatever. We need a marketing professional. Yeah, I definitely uh give credit to it's a Patrick O'Neill, who's the CEO president at O'Neill Insurance. He has always believed in marketing, always yeah. loved marketing, always loved to do the marketing sure. and uh, always dreamed of bringing a full-time, you know, marketing person in-house. Uh, and so he studied a lot of like Dan Kennedy, a lot of the, the traditional style direct mail yeah. marketing 
And I know he worked very closely with Stromzo and loved being part of those masterclass type groups. And so he always just loved it. I never, a, a lot of people would ask me in the industry when I was like working in the agency, they would say, how do you get like the buy-in to do everything that you're doing? And I'm like, I don't have to really get the buy-in. Like he believes in what we're doing. He believes in building a brand. He believes in permeating, getting this story out into the community yeah. and through video, through social media, through like, he just, it, it just was part of our culture at O'Neill Insurance. And so great experience on um, with him as a mentor there. That's awesome. Uh, and I love to hear that. And I think that that's, as you talked about earlier, and it's such a big thing right now. And like you said, everywhere you look on social media, like, and again, I'm going to bring this up several times uh, because I just, I can't help it. Uh, but TikTok is like my thing right now. And I'm obsessed. I do have a problem. If there's a TikTok's anonymous, I'll have to jump in there sometime. It's It's ridiculous how much I love it. But there's even insurance agencies on TikTok now that are doing some really creative stuff, and it really blows my mind. And it's fun to see. And some of it's stupid and cheesy, but then some of it's really unique and really fun. There's a guy named Eric on there that does these phone calls. Have you seen this guy? No, uh, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. Um, and he's got some like cold calling thing. He's so funny. But anyhow, there's just a lot of really good people there. Anyway. My question, I like, where's the question here? But so uh, getting back to some of those things like that, um, what, what would you say now with all these people? Cause a lot of people aren't doing it right. Or a lot of people that think they are like, Oh, if I just put a post out on Facebook, you know, I'm going to get all kinds of traction. My dad being <laughs> 77 years old on the other yeah. side of this wall, on the other side of this wall, mind you, um, it feels the same way. And he'll be like, Heath, I just posted this. I got nothing. It's been a week and a half. No phones rang. Nothing's happened. What am I doing wrong? And I look through and I'm like, well, first of all, you put a web link in there and Facebook doesn't like web links. It takes them away from Facebook. Second of all, you've got this on there. Third of all, you've got this. And he's like, I don't get it. But anyhow, that being said, on top of that, where would you say for them to even start if insurance agencies want to do it the right way? And I'll shut up now. No, that's that's a great question. I always recommend taking a few steps back and pausing and building out a marketing plan for the agency, uh, that pl a plan with marketing goals, clear marketing goals and measurables that point to the business goals. So if you have a revenue goal for your agency, what marketing goals need to be in place to help you achieve that revenue goal? And then from the marketing goals, coming up with, okay, what strategies need to be in place to help us achieve those marketing goals? And then underneath the strategies, what tactics, which is like, what action items do we need to be doing on a daily basis, on a consistent basis to achieve the strategy, which is going to help us achieve the marketing goal. And, and so when you start at a Facebook post and it not produce results, it's because that's a tactic at the very bottom of the entire plan. And that's everything needs to kind of flood and fill in to point to the goals. In my opinion, that's what I feel like I've seen the most effect effective um, agencies, I shouldn't just say organizations in general, they have a solid marketing plan. They know the roadmap to move forward. Now it's not to say, I should pause and say, um, I don't think you need to have 100% of the plan mapped out and that's the only thing you do all year. I always recommend like the 80-20 rule. So 80% really mapped out. You have your roadmap really set in stone, but then you leave 20% open to test, to experiment, to try new things because marketing is evolving so, so, so quickly. Like we can't not test TikTok, for example, or we can't not test different tactics that are just 
climbing very quickly, um, we can't sit on that for a year and, and not, not approach it. No, you're exactly right. And one of the things that, that I talk about in my consulting and in my talking to agencies is breaking down those goals you just talked about into like 90 day segments instead mm-hmm. of like, you know, then they were going to, cause again, trends change, things happen, you know, whatever goes on. And so what are your thoughts on that? As far as breaking down even further than just a yearly, you know, or this goal or that goal, it's easy to say, Oh, we're going to grow by 10% this year. I think you got to drill down deeper. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I love these like concept of a 90 day sprint. Um, I also think that you can see traction within 90 days. I think that gives you enough time to say like, is this strategy going to take root, going to work? It gives you enough time to experiment, to test, to start to see results, start to see positive signals. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to like lead you to the ultimate annual goal, like right away, but it gives you the, um, it gives you the uh, understanding as to whether or not it could take you to the annual goal. So I love the idea of those 90 day sprints or 90 day quarterly goals, and then deciding at the quarter, if you need to tweak or change or pivot that goal based on the results that you've kind of gotten from the strategy. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You said the word traction because that's the book that we stole that from, you know, the EOS system. Are you familiar I with it? Love, I love EOS. Yes, uh, I love it. Me too. And uh, you know, Kelly Donahue Piro introduced me to it and she's been a guest on the show a hundred times and you know, someone that I, you know, very fond of, you know, good friend of mine. And um, we do like consult together. That's one of the things that we talk about a lot. She and I mm-hmm. about that. And we teach that to, you know, clients together. And it's like, you know, <sighs> I love it. I was at first when she introduced that to me when we first started working together, however many years ago, it was like 90 day goals. You know, what's up with that? And then when I read the book, it's like light bulb went off. I was like, oh, I get it. And so I think the same thing could be true of your marketing efforts. And I think yeah. that you're you're dead on there as far as that goes. But like, can we break it down even further into nuts and bolts here of like, if somebody's listening to this, like, what do you mean like tying marketing goals to a budget? or tying this like concept to hard and fast numbers. That makes sense. Could you help some of my audience to be able to break that down? It's one thing to hear from me, but to hear from Aunt Danny, let, let's talk about it from that perspective. <laughs> Aunt Danny. Uh, so let me try and angle it this way. I, With you knowing EOS and traction, I actually just got off a, a call with a client this morning who practices EOS and has an EOS coach and um, an implementer. And they... We set the marketing goals and then we have the scorecard, which is the data that we measure weekly to help us see if it's leading to new revenue, right? And so every week the marketing team gets together, they they have their number. So that could be number of leads, that could be number of referrals, that could be number of prospecting calls. So they're leading and lagging indicators, but there's let's say three to five different metrics on that scorecard that we're tracking on a weekly basis to help us get a pulse as to whether or not we're on track to achieve that goal. And if we do achieve that marketing goal, let's say it's a, it's a 20 new clients within a specific revenue range. Let's just say that's the goal. Well, then we know if we hit that goal, if we're on track to hit that goal, then we're on track to hit the business revenue goal. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, no, you're, you're you're making sense. I just again, I want the audience to hear because again, it's it's different because a lot of people even call me and be like, okay, I'm looking at this the the for example on Facebook and they'll show you how many times people clicked it and engagement and all of that kind of stuff. It's different than just looking at engagement because you got to have someone click on the site or click on here, have that call to action to you know purchase or do this and that. 
The other thing I say is, or I'm hearing you say, is just because you're in marketing, you still have to understand simple or not simple, but you still have to understand sales figures. You still have to understand Mm -hmm. where you're going there too. It can't just be all about fun and games and creating the newest trend on whatever the social media platform is. Well, that's what I think is the biggest opportunity for, especially for independent agencies that have maybe a sales team, whether it's personal lines or commercial lines, is like that intersection between sales and marketing. How can marketing help support the producers in building out their LinkedIn personal brand or building out their presence or coming up with if TikTok is the direction that you go, which maybe it's not, maybe your target market isn't there now, but now's a good time to be experimenting on there because the target market is going there. So side note, I mean, I just hopped off a TikTok. uh, I was on the TikTok last week, actually. And I was amazed by the number of C-suite people that were, it was a TikTok live event. So like a LinkedIn live, it was a TikTok live event where he was, he was um, doing a live Q and A with C-suite people like CFOs and revenue. They're on TikTok asking him these questions. And so I, I believe that TikTok is moving in that direction and now's a good time to experiment. But how can, going back to that marketing sales intersection, if you have a marketing person in house, how can they help set these systems and processes up to help the producer stay consistent on TikTok in building a personal brand? That's just an example. Not to say that TikTok is for everybody, that's just one example of how marketing and sales can work together. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, um, you know, I think you're right though. I think if they could understand, because a lot of agencies, it used to be the old like CSR versus producer mindset. Now it may be that that you throw the marketer and they're all oh, the marketers just having fun. They don't do anything. They're just, you know, creating more silly things for us to do, or they're not doing anything there. But if you could find a way to get the salespeople to understand what they're doing to help you, and you could buy into the algorithms they're understanding. And, and there's a lot that goes into marketing other than just creating goofy things or, you know, coming up with this culture, you know, this or that. It's more than that. And so I think you're dead on. And I would love to hear more from you on, you know, I guess which comes first in that, in that, in the adoption of marketing, understanding the sales side of it or sales, understanding the marketing side of it, or is it kind of a both thing? I think it's really dependent on the organization and how the organization is structured. If you are just now hiring a marketing coordinator position, I think it's really important that they're sitting in on the sales meetings, that they're sitting in on sales calls, um, internal meetings, and also meetings with prospects and meetings with clients because them um, listening to maybe some of the objections or the customer insights that are coming in from those meetings is really, really valuable for a marketer. And they can then create the materials to really help and support the sales team. Um, But if you have a little marketing department that is already in the works of building programs and initiatives, um, and and they have this vision for maybe helping a producer build a personal brand, or uh, I keep going to that example, that's just one. Marketing is also, you know, away from just sales, it's, it's a complete system that supports overall business growth. So marketing is not just about new business coming in the door. Marketing is also can play a huge role in enhancing the client experience through different communications and different events, right? And can increase referrals from current customers through different referral programs, can build referral partnerships and relationships. So it's not just about 
leads in the door. Right. No, I completely agree. I love that you brought that up because, you know, so many people think of marketing as just that. And it, like you said, it is dealing with referral partners. It is dealing with, you know, how to get, you know, some of those things and cross-selling and, and upselling and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so... I appreciate you bringing that up. And so again, it's no long, it's not just about brand awareness. There's so much more that goes into marketing, correct? Yes, definitely. Brand plays a major part, but yeah, there's so many different compartments to marketing to drive growth. So the customer experience is a big buzzword right now. And you brought that up. So I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit. And you know, someone that's listening right now and that's heard me bring it up and heard me have the glove box people come on the show or some of the different people that have come on to talk about CXP, which now they made it cool and it's CXP. But <laughs> um, what does that look like taking it beyond just getting leads in the door and beyond brand awareness and let's just do a cool trendy thing. Now you got to get <laughs> that CXP, the customer experience thing down. It just sounds fun to say, but, <laughs> and I'm old, so it makes me sound like I'm hip and cool, but, um, but any old guy says hip and cool is not cool. So Tell me about customer experience and what that looks like as far as from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. So I I really love what Rocket Referrals, for example, I know there's other programs, but Rocket Referrals has that net promoter score program, but it's more than that. It's measuring. So net promoter score, they're ranking you from one to 10 on how likely you would your client would refer you to a friend, colleague, family member. I don't know the exact words for the question. It's one question. They rank you. If they score uh, a nine or 10, it's a perfect opportunity to follow up with a request for a testimonial, request for a case study, request for a Google review, right? And then those Google reviews help your local search engine optimization. If you are a local organization that wants to like increase, you know, um, local search for the local neighborhoods, that's a great place for five-star reviews to show up. But you can also use the feedback that they give in those testimonials as like customer insight as to how you double down on the things that they love. At the same time, if they rank you from a seven or below or six or below, they call it, I think Rock Referrals calls it the detractors. And that's an opportunity for you to dive in and like understand why are they giving me uh, a six or below? Uh, what is the feedback that they're sharing with that six or below? Do I need to pick up the phone and call them? That's also an opportunity to save uh, a client because there could be something that went wrong that maybe you didn't even you know know about uh, maybe their renewal came in and you didn't get ahead of it at that time to like know how to inform them that their rate might be going up right there's so many different scenarios that could happen before they actually renew and they could leave and you could get ahead of it by picking up the phone and calling them so I am a huge fan of like uh, customer feedback in general and looking at the qualitative data that's coming in from that feedback. So it's not always like just the number, the quantitative, it's, it's the words that they're using and the messaging that they're using to help you double down on what they love and get rid of or eliminate what they hate. Yeah, I think that's huge. You, know, you bring that up because uh, you just ruined the whole podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, so, uh, like when you lose a customer, a good example, when you lose a customer, send them a survey, right? Yeah. 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 Um, get their feedback. Yeah. Why, why did you leave or what happened or what? Now, again, here's what people say to me when I bring that up and they're not going to fill that out. They just left me for a reason. There you go. You mute on the cough. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I called you out, Danny. But anyhow, when you say to those people, like they're not going to fill out a survey and they're leaving us. I mean, how else do you get that info? 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are at a mid-roll ad, and I uh, really hate to interrupt this fantastic conversation, but we got to. So I, I, I just I can't go without talking about uh, these two people. They are fantastic and um, can't be connected. Tolga Tazel, Robert, Casey, their whole team, they do such a great job over Canopy Connect. They're your one-click solution to get those deck pages. You need to quote your prospects. Uh, you can create customizable links for your uh, referral partners. You can send your own links out to your customers. And they're also looking to eventually get into some more spaces. Uh, and so I just check them out before it's too late. Uh, check them out before uh, your, your, your competition gets in it. Uh, check it out before uh, you know before you lose any more opportunities. This is a phenomenal way to it, just increase your customer experience. Use Canopy.com. Hit the backslash and type in my name, H-E-A-T-H, and get you a discount. Schedule a demo, all of those things right there. And you can see a cool video of me. Who doesn't want more of the mayor? Ha! Also, my friends over at Cover desk. They are your premier solution, the platinum solution, the gold standard, if you will, of virtual assistants. Andy Priestman and his team over there do a phenomenal job of training these uh, virtual assistants to be able to step right into your team, your agency, and help you from day one. And uh, virtual assistants, uh, they're not robots. They're not virtual in the sense of they're in the Philippines. That's all it is. And they are phenomenal hardworking human beings that come into your agency and help you succeed. So uh, without further ado, let's get back to the show. Coverdesk.com. That's a good question. I think it, why aren't they filling it out? Yeah. That's the bigger question. Why <laughs> is it the way that you're messaging it? Is it showing up in their email or is it hitting their spam? Is would a text message be more um, something that they would respond to? Like getting to the root as to why they wouldn't respond. Do, are you asking 20 questions in that survey or is it right. just, you know, a number of reasons why one. they're not yeah. responding? Yeah, that's really good. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, even if it's a simple phone call to follow up, just say, hey, you know, sorry to see you leave. You know, what happened? You know, uh, or, you know, I used to say, hey, here's your chance to vent and let me know how you feel. Yell at me, whatever it takes. You know, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's as simple as, you know, my brother-in-law got into business or sometimes Sometimes it's really easy and sometimes it's like so-and-so really screwed up or I didn't feel valued as a customer or whatever it might be. I think that's so again, relating that back to marketing, you take that knowledge and do what with it. So that's where I always try and support getting marketing at the leadership table, because I think this, they can capture all of this feedback and they can kind of compile it and share it to leadership to say, here's some of the feedback that we're getting. Here's the things that people really love about this agency. Here's the things that people are not loving and we're actually losing clients from. So if the goal, if one of the business goals is to increase retention by X percent, this is a way that we can help increase retention. It it could be just in the communications and making sure that the client knows that that you're there for them outside of renewal window. You're there through a newsletter. You're there providing tips or um, things for around risk management for businesses, right? So it's like showing up um, and delighting and like wowing them beyond the transaction of insurance, I feel is, is really important too. And marketing can own a lot of that. Yeah. So you brought up something. You talk about communication. Do you... Danny Kimball put communications and marketing in the same bucket or is that two separate buckets? Meaning like 
Go ahead. I'll, I want to hear first, and then I can. If you don't answer it correctly, then I can <laughs> clarify <laughs> so what, my, cr- what, what I'm. <laughs> you have a correct answer. Um, I think that they. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, Danny. I I do see them as as two separate things, but I think that marketing should own the the template, the structure, the the messaging as to how things are being communicated. So, I think. Uh, I'm thinking about the pandemic. So yeah, I was I was still at O'Neill Insurance through the beginning of the pandemic and the crisis communications that we kept, I kept putting out. I mean, it was a full team effort. Leadership contributed every step of the way in helping me with it. But I owned it at, I owned it in terms of how it was structured and how it was messaged at the end to get it out, right? So um, I think that marketing can own a lot of the communications but it has to have like leadership input. What about from the internal st- standpoint? Is that more communications? There's marketing involved in internal communications as well. Like moving forward, like if you say they're separate, does that make sense? So internal communications, do you mean for for clients or for uh, the team? Uh, I'm thinking right now more for the team. For the team. If you, if you have I, a larger agency or a medium sizing, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it probably depends on the agency. It's a great question. I mean, I think that marketing plays a role in it and marketing yeah. can help and support it. In order for communication to stay consistent, marketing can systematize it. But right. maybe the actual like message or the verbiage is coming from leadership or something of that sort. But marketing can make sure that it's ongoing and consistent for the team. So, yeah, um, I love it. Um, you know, you talked earlier a little bit, and I guess um, in my clunky transition to internal I'm interested in your thoughts. And again, it was a buzzword four or five years ago, but you've brought it up again. And I love it because it's, it means a lot to me as well as the whole, you know, um, culture branding, you know, you know, culture was the thing a couple of years back, but uh, it's still important now Yes, as you, you know, develop a, a workplace that you want people to work at in your agency. And my, you know, one of my big soapboxes is trying to attract new talent into the industry, younger people or even newer talent. And so we have to make our industry sexy, of course. But how do you do that internally with your agency? How can you start with your agency to do that? Yeah, that's a really great question and fortunate to come from an agency that was just super intentional about creating a positive workplace culture. And that's the answer is you have to be intentional about this. Um there's also an organization out in California called Culture Insurance, and they also are very intentional about the culture that they have internally and how that kind of permeates out into their client experience. I and Patrick was a great mentorship mentor for me at O'Neill in in showing and living this out by example that um, you have a culture plan and you're super intentional about how you um, how you practice and live out the daily core values of the organization. And it's in the messaging and it is then in the branding. And I always said that like, if the culture internally is strong, the brand is strong because the employees become your greatest advocates for your business. If the employee feels fulfilled in the work that they're doing every single day and they know the why behind it and it's supported by leadership and the appreciation and the recognition is shown internally, well, then the client experience is going to be exceptional because they want to deliver a great client experience externally. They believe in the work that they do here. Culture is is huge. And even though it was a buzzword, it's still like a a pivotal um, area that more should focus on, I think. 
Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I'm in agencies every single week. Um, and when I go to agencies, a lot of times I'll go in, in the very beginning stages and I'll talk to them and you could see two things in my opinion. Um, and backed up by the facts I've gotten working these agencies of, I can go in an agency that has some of the best processes and procedures in the world, but they don't have the best culture. Mm. And I can go in an agency that has incredible culture. I mean, just, they love being there. They love their owners. They love their customers. High-fiving in the hallways, keg stands on the weekends, whatever it might be together. And they just love being together. They love the culture of the agency, but they don't have any processes, procedures, and all of those things. But yet that agency is probably a lot more successful and writes more premium, more involved in the community and things of that nature versus this other one. So I just, I say that, and I'm wondering, first of all, would you think that I'm right? There's not really a middle ground. It's usually one or the other. Yeah. And I think that that then shows up, you IDS that, right? It shows up on the issues list Um, because no agency is perfect. Like every agency has their their pros, the areas that their strengths, the areas that they're really, really good at. And then they also have areas that they need to improve. And so processes and systems could be one area that, you know, maybe that's something you go in and uncover and say, you have eight out of 10, you know, here's the two areas that I really want to be focused on to make you a 10 out of 10. That's normal across all organizations, I'd say. Yeah. But it goes back to, I I do think that culture has to be Sure. You know, front and center conversation. And I love you brought in the issues tracker from EOS. But I do think it's something that has to be, you know, something that you do focus on. So, uh, Danny, I appreciate you bringing that up because, again, buzzword or not, it's something that is vital. Um, And I think while we're talking internally and while we're talking about some of this stuff and some of the things that uh, I still get, it's been 22 years. I'm old, Danny, but 22 years I've been at this. And I still hear the same thing. People ask me questions about hiring. People ask me about, you know, or they'll call me, hey, I need a new CSR. I need a new this. I need you to help me here. I need that. I need this. I need that. So I think if you could build that brand and you could build that culture and tell that story, I think storytelling is a big part of that too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Storytelling. Well, I'll even step back to say like employer branding has a huge role in attracting top talent to your agency. Right. And if the person behind the process of building an employer brand is a believer of the organization and is an employee advocate themselves, imagine what that employer brand looks like. Imagine what that landing page looks like. Imagine the testimonials that he or she is getting from the team. Right. The videos that they might be creating, the social media posts that are going out, that's going to attract top talent. Right. Um, Versus trying to maybe hire recruiters and chase down and and nothing against recruiters. I think recruiters are great too. Actually an employer, really strong employer brand can really support a recruiter in getting good talent too. Um, And creating an an employee advocacy program. If you had five of your employees out on, I keep going back to LinkedIn because that's the main platform that I focus on, but out on LinkedIn, not just talking about new business and, and the job, their roles and responsibilities, but the work that they do to day to day with the organization, I mean, they're alone, like creates an, an massive opportunity of people in the network to expand into. So um, 
I forget your question, <laughs> but I think employer branding. No, Danny, you're focused. you're killing it. That's why I just keep hitting mute and just let you go because I, I love it. And I think the audience is going to love hearing this uh, because this is something that I get brought up a lot in Insurance Town and a lot in the, in the consulting that I do. And so I appreciate it. So it doesn't matter if you forgot the question. I don't care. I, I think you still nailed it. Well, I don't even know what the question was at this point. I was just like, yes. So, uh, no, I, I definitely think you're right. Uh, we were talking about culture. We were talking about uh, storytelling. We were talking about those. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, and I had a great follow-up question. And then you said, I forgot your question. So, it made me forget my follow-up question. So, um <laughs> We're having a nice little squirrel moment here, but no, I, I do think, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And there's a lot, uh, that you just brought up. And is there anything else while I'm trying to think of my question, buy me some time and tell me a little bit more storytelling while I try to think of that incredible follow-up. That just Sure. <laughs> I can feel it. So one of my favorite reads that I read years ago, I attended yeah. his workshop was story brand Donald Miller. Yes. And yes. If you're looking for just like a framework as to how to build your story for your agency, I always recommend that book. I haven't really found one better than that. Um, I think he he really studied movies and he has a team that's also involved in helping him really build out this concept of how we can create stories out of our brands. So that is Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Um, really good book. I highly recommend that. There you go. That was a perfect filler because as you said that, it triggered one of my follow-up questions and so, or comments, I should say. <laughs> so I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because here's my thoughts. As you're talking about culture and the agency and trying to attract people in your agency and using your employees for that and your strategy there, my thoughts, and here's another buzzword. Uh, my wife and I make fun of buzzwords, but I think it has to be authentic to your brand. I think it has to be something that comes for you. Like I can't pluck Danny Kimball out of Ohio, sticker in Arkansas in my agency and do the exact same things you did with, you know, the agency you were with before O'Neill group group, right? Yeah. I can't do that. Right. Cause it's not going to fit the Heath Sharon agency, for example, in Oklahoma, in Arkansas or the John Doe agency in Oklahoma. It has to be true to you. Right. I, yeah. I would agree with that. I, I feel like that's the beauty of independent agents in general, but especially the smaller mid-sized ones where they're family owned and operated. There's generations of family within it. Uh, they have a team of people around them that also they make feel like family and how do you how do you get that message organically and authentically out? Lots of pictures of the team, lots of community events. You know, it has to resonate with the community. So it is tricky to just um, say, "Here's here's the brand that I want to create." It has to really feel organically connected to the family morals values of the agency. Right, and it can't. Like it's another thing. You can't look at what everybody else is doing on social or in the insurance industry and just copycat every bit of it. It has to be true to your brand. Yes. If it's not, I think your audience will see right through it. I agree. I completely agree. Social media is amazing because the audience sees everything. They truly <laughs> and, do. And right. I also see a lot of agencies become a little too polished and a little too professional, especially mid-sized, larger agencies who want that perception of this like big agency with lots of tools and resources. And it becomes stale and it becomes boring and it becomes monotonous. You see them in the feed and it's like their webinar with a headline text. It's like, 
how can we make that marketing feel organic and fresh and alive? And I always say like, put a heartbeat into the marketing, like make it living and breathing brand and not like a stagnant, polished, professional, boring brand. I like that. Put a heartbeat. That's something you coined. Did you, did you steal that from somebody? I like that. I may have read it somewhere. I don't know. I don't remember. It was good. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. That was good. Because I think you're right. I think so many people, they want to get on a video and say, um, do you know what cyber insurance is? Let me tell you all about it. And they read from the script of what cyber, and they tell you the Webster's definition of what cyber insurance is. It's like, nobody's going to click that. Right. Nobody. And yeah. I... I love insurance. Like I am a dork when it comes to insurance, but I'm not going to watch Danny Kimball sitting up there reading a script about freaking <laughs> cyber insurance. But but that's also like, I give credit to people who are like, I'm going to get on a video and I'm going to talk about cyber insurance because then when they see sure. that nobody clicks, they're like, okay, I think I did get a comment that somebody liked my video. They may not have clicked or bought cyber insurance, but it's like, Oh, what do I need to change and revise and tweak? How yeah. like keep showing up? So it's the consistency and Bingo. constantly iterating and tweaking on that to get it, make it better and better. I look at my LinkedIn posts. And it's like, I, I'm still in that phase of, yes, I'm posting every single weekday, but it's like some of it's boring. It's like, how do I change it up? Or how do I freshen it up? Or how, am I reaching the right audience? I'm constantly constantly yeah. evaluating that. You know, it's one of the things that um, I'm glad you brought that up because consistency, I can't say that. Consistency is a huge part of social media. I know this. You just said it again. And as you're saying that, like I notice, and, and I'm a big uh, extremist when it comes to certain things. So like there for a couple of years, I was like diehard LinkedIn till I die. Mm -hmm. And I still love LinkedIn. Don't get me wrong. But when I was posting daily, sometimes like twice a day, my LinkedIn comments and the likes and all of that engagement was so through the roof. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'd go to like twice a week or, you know, you know, once a week, whatever it was. And that shrunk. My engagement mm -hmm. shrunk. And then I all of a sudden started getting on TikTok and I was on TikTok for hours at a time. And my TikTok is up here now and my LinkedIn's down here. And so if I could find a way to, to make it 26 hour days, and I could find more time to spend on, you know, LinkedIn and TikTok. Then I think I could expound that. But is that a word? Expound? Expand? Ex I, know, I don't know. I know what you mean. So we'll take uh, hopefully the audience does too. <laughs> I was trying. So the the point is, uh, and I want you to talk about it for a minute because um, I do. Surely I'm right on this. There's got to be a reason. And I, I go back to consistency. So I guess a piece of advice from Danny and myself here would would be to be consistent on that, right? It be consistent. And I'm always hesitant to just say be consistent because when I say that people are like, okay, we'll just post every day. Okay. Well, after two weeks of posting every day, three weeks of posting every day, and you're not changing things up and it's not working, then you're just being consistent, but it's still like not effective. So consistent and is the word iterate, like constantly evolving in your style and changing things a little bit. <laughs> You're laughing uh, at me. No, I'm laughing at you because you and I are having problems with our words, apparently. And it's great. <laughs> I love it. So, no I, no, I think you're right. And I think the other thing is, uh, and I've said this for five years, so it's not new, but people still don't get it. And I just want to scream and jump through the freaking earphones. Post organic stuff. Mm. Like, it kills yeah. me to see people like, well, I, I repost every bit of Danny Kimball stuff and I don't get anything. I'm like, don't. 
I, yeah. I love you, Danny, but no, don't just post everything that she does. Right. Come up with your own stuff. Right. Well, and a, a one way to do that, because I get a lot of cl- clients asking, um, you know, I don't know what to post. I don't know. And one of the things that I've found to be helpful for me is I'll record like meetings with my clients. And as I'm, as I'm like offering a strategy or suggestion or recommendation, I'll, I'll remember that it's in the video. So then I'll go back and listen to like how I explain that. And that'll be my, then I'll write it out. Or I, I even have a couple videos on TikTok of me talking to a client and I clipped it and that's the TikTok post. So think about the questions that your clients are asking. Yeah. And that's the content that you should be creating. Because if your clients are asking those questions, then it's likely that other people have those questions too. Um, the, but you know, you it is, it is, yeah, they ask you answer, Marcus Sheridan. But it is tricky because insurance is not the most fun thing to talk about all the time. So I also think what? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of like getting engagement from people, I, I think you need to mix it up. It can't always be about your subject matter expertise. No, in my you're opinion. right. But I do think there's got to be a good blend. Kind of my voice got up on that one. I was really excited. But I do think there has to be a mix of educational entertainment. And I think you have to change it up some. You can't just, like you said, the same stuff for two weeks. So I think maybe a couple posts need to be educational. And find a way to have fun with that educational. Maybe throw some graphics that fly across the screen or something. And then have mm-hmm. some fun stuff. Maybe do a dumb little dance or a new trend or whatever. And then maybe post some, you know, something not even related to insurance on there. Right. Right. Well, yes. And I've heard people say, well, I don't want to post anything, you know, family because it's it's not Facebook. And uh, I've gotten trolled on on mine before because I have I post family maybe once a week. In fact, I have a post going up soon or today, probably this afternoon. My I I had a meeting this morning at 9 a.m. I'm in the school drop off line at like 840. And (laughs) I know I have like 15 minutes to get home. Perfect. At nine o'clock meeting is perfect. Okay, my five-year-old's getting out. I have four kids, so dropped one off at daycare. These and then the three three are off at their school. My five-year-old's getting out of the car, and he goes, "I think I have a bead stuck in my nose." <laughs> and it's like that is the life of a working mom. <laughs> like it's eight forty. I have a meeting at nine. I can't change the meeting. Like right. So I had to like on the cuff, try and figure out what the strategy was going to be in order for all of this to happen and make sure that he was safe and taken care of and all that thing. So, but that's the life of a working mom. And that's the post, that's the angle around the post that, that will probably go up on LinkedIn this afternoon. It's like, what do you do day to day in your job and your role and your career and your life in general? People relate with that stuff. They resonate with that stuff. Yes. And people that, okay, here's another thing. Um, I feel like I've just had the whole podcast, you you just agreeing with everything I'm saying because I needed this affirmation apparently, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You're killing it. But no, like people that are say like, I don't want to post about myself or I don't want to brag or come across this way or that. My, you know, one of my largest engagements on LinkedIn posts was me sharing the fact that, um, oh, what was it? It was, uh, oh, that I had... Um, an article they wrote about me in rough notes. And so that's a big deal to me, you know? And so I posted something about it and it, I hesitated at first. Cause I didn't want to keep come across same way. They always say braggy, but like and the engagement was through the roof on them. Cause people were so proud. They want to be able to tell you, Hey, proud of, of you. Da, da, da. Of and so if you do something big in your agency or one of your producers hits a big month, don't be afraid. Hey, so proud of Danny Kimball. She hit her goals this month, blah, 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 blah. I don't think that's a problem. No, I agree. People, People love want that. to, yeah, they want to root for your success. That's yes. the, that it's social. It's social yeah. media. It's put the social in social media. Like I'm with you a hundred thousand percent. 
And I, the flip side of that, I'm going to just take this, just my, my rant for a minute, because it, I either see that or it, it's uplifting and it's, it's that fake, like everybody's highlight reel, or they want to get on there the other side of that and just rant about everything. And it's like okay. either incredibly positive or incredibly negative. And it's like no ho-hum in the middle. And it drives me crazy. Right. What is right. up with that? Why do, you, why do people think that social media is a place to just rant? Even businesses. <laughs> Uh, you know, there is value in sharing like a point of view that may not resonate with everybody and you're trying to move them into an awareness. It's a marketing ploy. It can be if you're if you're intentional about making it a marketing, like you're sharing your point of view. It may come across maybe a little aggressive or a little tough, but you're moving them through an awareness journey of saying like why you feel this way about a certain thing. Um, and some may resonate with that. So um I don't know. I, I try and avoid being negative for sure on on socials. I'm thinking about one post where I used an example of an ad creative that I really loved, but I was about to use an example of an ad that didn't align with that I thought was poorly written. And I'm like, no, I want to focus more on the positive. So I think there's a way to angle the messaging to keep it positive, even if it is a rant. Okay. Uh, you just found a way to take that and just you answer that beautifully with a, a great marketing span and a positive glass half full type of situation. <laughs> that, that was a professional answer. I loved it. So <laughs> um, I, I look up and I told you before you record, if you suck, I'm going to cut you off in 20 minutes. But here we are like almost an hour in. I'm, like, I'm just enjoying <laughs> conversation. So Good. Uh, I appreciate you joining and hanging out. Uh, and I, I appreciate your your, your take on certain things. Um, I would love to um, give you the floor for just a few more minutes before we start to wrap up. Is there anything else just burning on your mind? If I were to give you the keys to the city and just let you, you know, keys to the town and let you talk about anything you want to for the next two minutes. Um, you got anything you, know, you want to go on? Hmm, I don't know if anything pressing. I would say like my one big point of view and my one big push right now is, and I've seen this just over the past year and a half of me meeting with other organizations and clients is, is really encouraging people to just pause, to step back and to be strategic about some of the decisions that they're making. Cause you just see so many people out there like including myself, I learned this the hard way, like wasting time, trying different tech, time, money, resources, testing, like different tactics without a plan to back up like what's work, what's working and how we can scale what's working already. So I do think there's a place for testing. But I also think like, it's really, really important for agencies, organizations in general to just really nail down a marketing strategy and system. And it does require you to just pause you can continue on with your current marketing initiatives while you're building it, but you do have to like dedicate some time to doing that. Um, and, and you're going to see more results and more focus and more clear direction moving forward. Once you have that in place, that's, that's my soapbox. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, thank you. I, I just, I always want to try to give my guests that this runway in case I missed something. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing that uh, before we do wrap up. Uh, do you still work with insurance agencies at all as your marketing? Tell me a little bit about Azeal. No, pronounce it again. Azeli. Azeli. Dang it. Tell me a little bit about, tell the audience about Azeli. If you want anybody to reach out to you, here's your marketing opportunity uh, with the thousands of people listening right now. Tell me a little bit. Oh, thank you. I appreciate find that. You. Yeah. So you can find me. The best way to find me is on LinkedIn. So if you look up Danny Kimball on LinkedIn, 
because the name of my company is hard to spell <laughs> um, or pronounce. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is a great spot. That's where I'm at. Uh, that's where I focus 100% of nearly 100% of my marketing efforts for my business are all on LinkedIn. So it's a great place to reach me. Um, but yeah, I just I'm, I do marketing consulting, and I mainly focus on helping set up the, the strategic plan for the marketing system. Um, so that's really where I focus a lot of my time and attention, staying kind of high level and, and strategic. And it's Kim Bull with a B, not like yes. Jimmy Kimmel, but it's Kim Bull. Yes. And it's D-A-N-I on, on LinkedIn, or is it like the full on Danielle? D-A-N-I, Danny Kimball, K-I-M-B-L-E. Yes. Kim nope. Ball. <laughs> right. Go find her. Um, say hi to her. Tell her you heard her on this podcast if you have to. Uh, maybe she'll give you a discount for working with her. Who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm kidding. Do try to find her, though, because I do think she could drop a lot more gold than she did on this show, even though she killed it today. I really appreciate it. Uh, and so find her on LinkedIn. Again, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. You'll have to do it again sometime soon. Um, and we'll have to talk some more about dancing off air because I had no clue. Uh, and TikTok. Do you do any TikTok dancing? You may be able to find some TikTok dancing. Yes. <laughs> we'll go find yeah. We didn't even talk to Well, we, we mentioned the word TikTok about 100 times, but we didn't talk about it. So we'll do that again next time, too. But go ahead. What were you saying? Yes, for sure. I think uh, just going off of what you just mentioned, there's big opportunity to experiment on TikTok right now. So now's the time to go play. <laughs> play yeah. and experiment and test. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. Thanks again. And we will talk again soon. Thanks so much for having me on. It was so nice to chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today in the show. Uh, what a fun conversation. Uh, I would love for you guys to truly reach out to Danny on LinkedIn and uh, friend her uh, or connect with her, I should say. Uh, send her a message. Tell her you heard her on the show and that you missed seeing her in insurance, uh, but you're still supporting her. And guys, if you're interested in hiring her and her firm to do some marketing for you, she would love to help you. As you can tell, she's got a lot of knowledge in this arena. So uh, please do that for me. Uh, for all my guests that you listen to, uh, I would love for you to reach out on social, on email, whatever contact they give you. Let them know that you heard about them and that you're so appreciative. That's what it's all about. I want to bring these guests on my show, uh, on our show, on Insurance Town, in Insurance Town podcasts, so that we can help them out as well as help you out. So help me help you help them help me help you. <laughs> all right. If you have an idea for your own show, go to GetReadySetPodcast.com. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thank you so much, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.